Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, if you got a question or a comment or anything you want to know or anything you want to say, you give us a call. It's 291-6901. That'll get you right straight to us. Got all our lines wide open. That's right. And today is our first live show in a couple weeks. So. That's right. Well, you had Memorial Day, right. which knocked us out. And then the week following, of course, LSU was in the playoffs, so they kind of bumped us for that. Gotcha. Uh, they they move the game up, and of course, in this part of the world, that that trumps, trumps pretty yeah, much. Yes, it does. <laughs> LSU sports pretty much trumps anything else. That, <laughs> that's a fact. Yeah, people around the country are like what? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you just don't understand college athletics in, in the South. South. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Most of the Southern states don't have professional football. I know some do. Obviously, uh-huh. I mean, there's the y'all and Saints. You have the Atlanta Falcons. You have Houston has a couple of pro teams, but majority of southern states do not have professional teams so we just tend to gravitate more towards college ball particularly college football right you know with the sec and all being so well even strong. baseball and even baseball particularly when lsu is winning exactly <laughs> <laughs> but that's just the way that works let's see we've got david online good morning david Look, I got a, a 94 Cadillac Seville mm-hmm. with a 4.6 uh-huh. and I started up the other day and it, it popped real loud, like like a backfire, but it was not a tailpipe. It seemed like it was a throttle body to me. Okay. And it's, the, it's running at a very high RPM, and I can't get it to cut down. Now, I could put it in a reverse, and it does cut down, but I put it back like it parked, mm-hmm. and it'll go back to the high-speed RPM again. Mm-hmm. I changed the idle motor and the throttle position. Yeah, thing. Yeah. I'll tell you what you need to do, David, is very, very carefully examine the intake manifold on it and make sure that intake manifold is not cracked anywhere because they had some trouble with a lot of the vehicles back around that time frame. They had a glitch in their software, and what can happen under just the right conditions? For instance, if you turn the car off and and it sits for a while, it's still got fuel and air vapor up inside that intake manifold, which technically is explosive if the intake valve happens to be open on one of the cylinders and you turn the key on it is possible for a spark to be generated when it does it can back up an intake that's your loud pop and then it can break the intake manifold because it's plastic i know buick had a lot of trouble with that and gm came out with a flash update that's going to prevent it from ever happening again when you reflash the computer, it just shuts the ignition down until the car sees crank. And when it's cranking, of course, it's sucking the fumes into the motor, so it's not a problem. But they had some issues. If you just when you turn the key on, you'd hear a loud explosion, and I've seen it blow an intake manifold all to pieces. In of course, less severe cases, it may just crack it, and that that would explain the high idle. The high idle because if you got a crack in the intake manifold, you could be drawing unmetered air in, so your idle is going to go up, and that would also kind of play along with the the loud bang that you heard and that's the first thing that comes to my mind i'm not saying for absolutely sure that's it but that's the first thing i would check for now if you do see a crack in the intake manifold you're probably going to end up having to replace the manifold and you might want to see if you can get somebody to reflash that software just to make sure it's not a fix that would prevent it from happening again and i've seen those cars go 150,000 miles never do it and then right. just one day it's like a roulette wheel you know everything has to line up exactly right it has to have fuel and air in the intake. The valve has to be open. It has to be firing on that one cylinder. So you may start the car 10,000 times and never occur, but just one time it can. That's the only thing that I can think of that would account for both of those situations. Uh, if it is that crack, I have to change the yes, manifold sir. on Yes, sir. you'd well, have, you have to change the part that's cracked. Replace the upper, man, upper intake. 
upper intake? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You, you have any idea what kind of price that would be? No, but, but it's probably pretty expensive. Pretty expensive, yeah, huh? Yeah, four five hundred dollars probably. How much? Probably four to five hundred dollars. Just guessing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah. I don't know if the, I don't know if the cars worth that much. Yeah, may not be. <laughs> yeah, may not yeah. be. But I'm sure it's going to get worse in time if you if you drive it. Now, there's also a big boot on that 4.6. It could have blown that boot out. It's right between the intake and the engine block on the inside where it connects the uh, upper intake to the engine. Again, you're just going to have to either check very carefully or get somebody to check it for you. The way we check that, we have a smoke machine, and we just fill the, the intake with smoke. And, of course, if you got a crack or you got a ruptured diaphragm or something, you can see the smoke coming out. That's the way we do it in the shop. But uh, uh-huh. you just got to check very, very carefully and see what the problem is. Uh-huh. So, I mean, if, now, if it wasn't that, it can't be something minor. Could. Uh, could be all kinds of things, but, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of that would cause both those problems. Uh-huh. Okay, well, that's right. pretty well. Tell me what I need to know. Okay, man. Thanks, David. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. right 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. I remember the first time I saw a, a Buick came in, and the intake manifold was literally in pieces. It was. There was just pieces of plastic everywhere. Yeah. And I could not imagine. What had happened to the, cause and that. And the guy says, all I did is turn the key on. Yeah. And it exploded. And I thought that was, well. Yeah, it's kind of strange at yeah. the moment. But then, Did a little research? Yeah, I did a little research and come to find out there was a flash update for yeah. that problem. And we flashed a million of them over the years. You don't see it much anymore because that was back in the early 90s, early right. to mid-90s that occurred. Most of them have been fixed or sent to the graveyard fixed by or now. They're, or they're dead from other reasons right? <laughs> <laughs> throughout all those years. Let's go back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing great, sir. Doing great. Hey, listen, I have a, a 1997 Chevy Tahoe. Uh-huh. With the uh, 5.7, and I'm having issues with it starting. And when I say starting, it's the symptoms are acting like it's a bad battery. Okay, it doesn't. So words, it'll, it? it'll 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 when you go to start it, it'll go wrong, wrong, wrong. And okay. Then, and you have to keep repeating this. So mm-hmm. the car's got 150,000 miles on it. I, I did recently just change the starter mm-hmm. in Illinois. Okay. Was I it doing it change, before that? Yes, it was. It was doing this. this that's what prompted me to change, to change it. The you know, okay, it just didn't fix it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it never been changed. So mm-hmm. typically, 150,000 miles on a starter, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not so, bad. So I changed the starter, mm-hmm. put a new battery. I even changed the the hot wire from the uh, battery to the starter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's still doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, how handy are you, I, John? I'm fairly handy, but okay. one of the questions I well, was let me, Before you get into all that, you got a voltmeter? I do. Okay, take a voltmeter, take one lead, and put it on the negative terminal of your battery. Okay. Okay, take the other lead and put it on the starter itself. Okay. Okay, and it's not going to read anything. Hold right. the two leads there and get somebody to crank the car and see what the voltmeter does. Okay. I if it reads saying. more than a half a volt while you're cranking the car, then you got high resistance in the ground circuit. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, it could be the cable. It could be the connection to the cable. It could be all kinds of things. But that's called a voltage drop test. You can do the same thing on the positive side. You go from the positive terminal to the positive terminal. Crank it and watch that voltmeter because what's happening is that whatever voltage is not going through that cable is leaking around it through the voltmeter. So let's say you hit that switch and that voltmeter starts reading one volt or one and a half volts. You got way too much resistance in that cable. 
Okay. Okay. I mean, okay. you pretty much you've changed the starter, you've changed the battery. Changed I mean, the battery not, not a whole lot left other than the cables. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only providing other, you got a good starter when you changed it. Well, but I mean, you changed it for that problem, so I wouldn't think you'd have two of the same problem. It's possible, but. And I, uh, and I went with the new starter. I didn't go with the reman. I went with the brand new one. Yeah, but you got to watch what what they call a new starter now is a Chinese knockoff. I, I, Some of those are worse than the reman. So you're right. You're uh, right. You uh, what what you could do to I, I mean to eliminate that you can do a amperage test. Just check the amperage the starters pulling because if the starters basket pulling way too many amps, or way too little amps. Correct. So that would okay. be a way to verify the starter. I mean, the only other thing is if the motor is just seizing up and it's just too hard to turn, but Seems like you'd have noise and all kind of other stuff if that was the case when it yeah, when, it, when the engine is running, it purrs like a kitten. Mm-hmm. It runs great. I had another question. Yeah. Would any of the uh, sensors be causing the no, problem? No, either no, the no. crankshaft or no, the camshaft? Cannot, cannot make it nope. crank slow. None of those are even reading at that point. Okay. Okay. Now, if you've got something, when you put the brand new battery in there, did it ever get good for a while and then just get back like it was or just never changed? Lewis, it's funny. It's like the thing is possessed. It'll some days you'll get in it and it'll start right up. Uh-huh. The, the funny part about it is in the morning, the the very first uh-huh. old startup is when it used to do it the most. Mm-hmm. And then it would seem like after the engine was up to operate temperature, like if you went to the store or uh-huh. something, shut it off, got back in, it popped right over. I mean, yeah. right over. Now I'm gonna tell you uh, one possibility there, John. You might want to check and make sure you don't have a parasitic draw yeah, on your what system. I was because if you've got a parasitic draw, which is something that stays on that should not stay on, then what it's going to do is going to discharge your battery at night. So your first crank is going to be slow. Once it cranks up, the alternator charges the battery back up. And a brand-new battery may be better than an old battery because it can come back faster. But mm-hmm. that almost sounds like you may have that. Now, again, take your voltmeter, hook it across the two terminals. It ought to be reading about 12.5 volts. Hit the switch and see if that drops down to maybe eleven and a half when you're cranking. You got a battery problem, and if it's a new battery, odds are something's discharging that battery overnight. Lewis, I did do a, a load test on the battery uh-huh. before I started it early in the morning mm-hmm. to see if it was drawing down overnight, uh-huh. and it did check good. I yeah, mean, but it, again, it can check good because it's got sufficient load capacity. But if the voltage right. is low on it, what I would do is just try to put a voltmeter across it. And when you hit that key, watch what the voltage does. If it drops below about 12 volts when you're cranking, then you don't have sufficient capacity there to crank the car. I mean, 8 volts will crank it, but it may not crank it as fast as what it should. I mean, Mm -hmm. if it is just absolutely not anything like that, then it's pretty much got to be the cables. If it's not the cables, the only other possibility is something's leaking into the cylinders and making the engine too too hard to turn when it's cold. I mean, I've seen that happen like a head gasket or something, but I mean, a small block Chevrolet, I hardly ever i mean in in 50 years working on cars i might have changed one head gasket on a small block chevrolet you know that 057 was just a beast yeah it just I mean, it really was, didn't have much it's a good motor and you know it's running it's running very well yeah. to me for that to yeah, be a problem i'm, I'm more know. i would just retrace yeah. your steps make sure number one like brian said you didn't get another bad starter because that's a possibility number two do a voltage drop test on your two cables and number three do a voltage drop test across the battery and between that you're going to find something wrong and then just depending yeah, on what you yeah. find, you got to go from there. Right. All right. Well, I've got a neighbor that's uh, good with the voltmeter yeah. as well, so I'll get him to help me out. Lewis, I appreciate your help. Buddy. All right, John. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? 
and we'll get you right straight up to the top of our list and answer anything you might have. That we will. There you go. Belt, <laughs> squeaking belt, squeaking brakes. Car won't start. Car won't stop. Plan to move. Get you going. <laughs> or get you stopped. There you go. Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. I get your kicks. I'm here with David, actual Agco Automotive customer and owner of a 98 Suburban with 434,000 miles on it. And counting. That's amazing. How did you do that? Well, as an airline pilot, I know the importance of regular maintenance schedules. That and having a great team of mechanics, just like the guys at Agco. So Agco has helped keep your car running? All of my cars. Wow. So, folks, if you're looking to keep your late model vehicle on the road longer, take it to AGCO once a year for a general inspection. That way, the AGCO team can catch any potential problems early before they become expensive repairs down the road. Yeah, David, I've done a little piloting myself. Really? Well, it was one of those radio-controlled planes you fly off of Burbank, <laughs> but I could feel the power. <laughs> oh, I bet you could. That's really close to a 747. I know, right? So, folks, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291 6901. And that's what Barry did. Good morning, Barry. Good morning. Love your show. I've got a quick question for you. I got a 67 Cougar uh-huh. that's been restored, and I've got air conditioning on it. Okay. And I'm about to go crazy because it'll cool the car and freeze you out sitting there idling. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you start to either accelerate or drive it or, you know, increase the engine RPM, it starts blowing hot air. Now, does now, it blow hot air or it just blows ambient air? Well, I, I think it's I think it's just ambient air. Yeah, it's, just it's not, 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 like, not like heater air or anything. Right. No, but you can watch it. You can rev the engine uh-huh. and the compressor stays engaged. Right. Okay. I tell you the the now, easiest thing you can check yourself, Barry, and this this is doesn't require any kind of tooling or equipment because I can give you a bunch of stuff that would. But just go out and they got two lines going into the air into the compressor. One's hot and one's cold. Okay, you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've done that. Okay, well rev it up to where it quits cooling and see if the lines still stay hot and cold or if they both okay. start getting warm. Because what you got to determine is is this an under-dash kind of problem where maybe an actuator is closing. You'll get a lot of vacuum actuators, and when you accelerate, the engine vacuum drops. Maybe a blend door or something is moving, which is not allowing the air to go through the evaporator core anymore. Or it could be something in the air conditioning system. That one little simple test you can do with no equipment or anything else will tell you which way to go. There's a both hoses, one stays hot and one stays cold, and you know the air conditioner is still working. So then you start looking under the dash for something like a vacuum actuator or something that's or, you know, it's got a, a check valve. It's got a little vacuum reservoir. The reservoir can be cracked. It could have a bad check valve. When you accelerate, engine vacuum drops. So you had an idle, you have the most vacuum of all. And that may be enough okay. to keep up with it. But if, let's say, the blend door moves because the vacuum drops out, well, then the air flows around the evaporator core through the heater core. But if the heater valve is off, it's not going to blow hot. It's just going to blow ambient. Yeah, I think that's what it's doing. The other thing it's doing, too, as you know, that car has the rotating headlights in the front, and they're vacuum operated. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. right. When you turn the headlights on, the engine RPM speeds up. Yeah, so you got, <laughs> got a vacuum leak. Got a vacuum leak for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. There's a canister. Uh, okay. There is a canister for. Is the factory air system? It was upgraded to the new compressor, but originally it was factory okay. air. Yeah. So you've got a vacuum canister on the right hand firewall, uh, not firewall, the right hand fender well, underneath the hood hinge. 
there should be a vacuum canister on the outside of the engine compartment. Okay, okay. Check it. Make sure the hoses hadn't come off of it or if it's not cracked. From what I remember, it's a metal can. It almost looks like a sardine, not a sardine can, like but a, a little uh, bean can or something. Juice can or something. Something <laughs> like that, yeah. That would be the place to start, especially yeah, when you said the, the, the headlight. Right. The canister the are like little grommets on the canister. Right. That Anything seal that would it, leak or it. It's also a check valve in that system that when you accelerate, it blocks that canister off so the canister can run the system. Right. And doesn't discharge back through the intake. And those little check valves will go bad. And what happens when you give it to gas, the intake vacuum drops, and all the vacuum leaks back out through the intake. Right. Okay, and where would that check valve be in relation Somewhere to that? Somewhere in that uh, line, you just have to trace it down. I'm not sure. Trace it out. I don't just a little, remember. A little round thing about the size of a half a dollar. Yeah, with two line, with two. Um, it's gonna have a vacuum line on each side of it, and that's kind of a universal part. You don't have to have the original equipment part. You could probably go to a parts store and tell them you want a one way check valve, vacuum check valve, and I think they reproduce those. And I don't know, it really gotcha. matters a whole lot where you put it, as long as it's between the engine and, and the canister. Right. Oh, gotcha. Okay, good. All right, well, good deal. I'm going right. to check all three of those things. When, okay, you, man. when you find it, you ought to be able to move air through one one direction and not the other. Right. If you just blow through that little check valve, you ought to be able to blow one way and not the other. Right. Just, just a one-way valve. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, thanks, well, man. I'm going to check that in just a few minutes. Sounds all right. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Y'all have a good day. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh-huh. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we would love to have you. And we're going back to the phone line with Jesse. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. Got a 5.3. The other morning I cranked up and it had a yellow service engine soon uh-huh. light. Okay. And I checked it and it uh, had a P307 misfire. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And went ahead and put a new set of wires and plugs in. It's getting about that time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the AC, uh, good quality plugs and everything. Mm-hmm. And Probably I'm, didn't fix it, though. No. Well, it has a, <laughs> if has I can a, guess the next step. <laughs> well, it I raised the code yeah. and went on, and it has a slight, slight miss. Right. It, it'll come back. Right. It, it doesn't check. The way it reads misfires, Jesse, it's looking at them all the time, but it has to see so many misfires at a specific RPM before it sets a code. So mm-hmm. you may drive around for a week before the, the light comes back on, but it's still missing, and that's real dangerous because what's going to happen is that gas – from the misfire, it doesn't get burned. So it goes out into the catalytic converter. So next thing you know, you have a PO420, you'll be buying a catalytic converter. Right. So you got to fix this. I'm going to tell you the most common thing I found on the 5.3. What year model is yours? 2001. Okay, the older models, yeah. yeah. There was a problem where debris would get into the fuel line. And if you notice the way that works, where the line comes into the fuel rail, number seven is all the way at the very back. Right. The debris tends to settle in that those two back injectors, number seven or number eight, normally number seven, because I think that's on the side where the line comes in. And it'll plug that fuel injector up, and then it'll go to misfiring and stuff. And the fix is you got to remove the fuel rail, remove the fuel injector. Sometimes you can clean it. Sometimes you have to replace it. If you just want to test for that, what you can do is pull the fuel rail off. It's pretty simple. Now, you got to discharge the fuel system before you do this. Right, right. discharge the pressure off right. of it. And take number seven and move it to number five and put number five in number seven. And then see if the misfire moves. If it does, try to clean the injector. If you can't clean it, just replace the injector. I'm not saying that's it, but that's the most common thing that we used to see on those engines. Yeah. It was pretty common on them and always ended up on a number seven misfire. Okay, just didn't want to go replacing coils and this and that and other. And well, I tell you what, I don't think I have ever I've replaced a coil on a 5.3. Not yeah. ever. That's I mean, my understanding. And I've worked right. on thousands of them. Right. 
I mean, if you if you think that could be it, just again, swap it. just swap it with number five. See right. what see the misfire moves. See if you got a single cylinder misfire, it's fairly simple to trace down because you can move parts. You know, just take the call, move it to five, take number five, put on number seven because you know number five ain't missing. If the misfire moves, okay, you got a bad call, but I've never seen that do it. Same thing with injectors. Just swap. You don't have to go start buying parts. Just swap the stuff side cylinder to cylinder and see what affects it. Right. Now, if none, none of that affects it, next thing is check compression on the engine. Because, I mean, you could have something like a uh, cam lobe worn off. I've seen that. I mean, you could have a broken rocker arm. I mean, all kinds of things can happen that will cause a misfire. But the first thing you do is check your ignition. If it ain't ignition, check your fuel system. If it ain't fuel system, then now you're into compression. And, again, a compression test will show that up pretty fast. Right. they ever cure up that problem with the intake gaskets? There's a revised gasket. I mean, the original gaskets were orange. The, the replacements could be a teal color, but that's generally going to be a misfire at idle, and it's not going to set a misfire code. Generally going to set a – it can possibly set a misfire. Generally, you're going to get a lean bank one, lean bank two code with that. Yeah. Well, about 204,000. Mm-hmm. Is that a common problem for them to go out or give problems? Or? The intake gaskets? No, the intake gasket. Yeah, yeah, they go out yeah. all the time. That's not a big deal ever. That wouldn't be causing this particular problem, I wouldn't think. That, that generally gives you a rough island, so give right. you a lean code. Because what okay. happens, the engine can compensate for that. It can add more fuel and cover that problem up. Okay, that's what I wanted to really know. Was uh, But see, when it starts adding more than 25% fuel, it's going to throw a, um, I think it's PO-174 and PO-171, lean bank one, lean mm-hmm. bank two. Okay, well, you put me in the area I need to go to mm-hmm. then. All right, well. Appreciate your help, uh-huh. sir. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part with the automobile, we'd love to have you. Just remember, when you're doing that diagnosis, only move one part at a time. Correct. That way you can isolate one part at a time, and you can pretty well, much figure it out. If you move the call and the injector and the plug, then again, yeah, not, which one fix it? Now, again, what you can do, if you want to really be crafty, you can move the call one, to number five, move the injector to number three, Move the plug to number one. Right. And as long as you remember how you did, how you did it and what number comes back. We get cars occasionally where we have an intermittent misfire that you just can't duplicate. Correct. And that is what we'll do. We'll take all the components off that one cylinder and switch them to different cylinders, have the customer drive the car, and when it comes back, depending on where the misfire moved, as we know what, what component it is because some things are intermittent, and even if you move it to a different cylinder, it's not, not going to show up. Right. It may take a while to actually show up. So let's see if we can catch another line here for a break. we got Chris on line. Good morning, Chris. I've got a 2009 F-250 steering. I've got a lot of slack in it. Is there a way to tighten up No. that? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to laugh. I, I feel your pain, but when you start messing with that steering box, it yeah. starts binding up on yeah. you. And then it'll be hunting going down the road. You'll turn a little bit left, yeah. and the vehicle will go that left. adjustment on top yeah. is not to tighten slack up in the steering. That is to set the lash on the box when it's brand new. Because the slack is never going to be in the gears. You've got two hardened steel gears running in all. That's not what the slack is. Slack is in the bearings inside the box. Right. So do not fool that adjustment on top of the box. Now, you have to determine if the slack is in the box or in the front end because you could have a loose tie rod. It'll call the same thing. You could have a loose flex joint. Call the same thing. So you have to find out. A bad pitman arm calls the same thing. you got to find out where the slack is first, and then you have to address whatever is causing the slack, and then the slack will be gone. But do not fool with that adjustment on top of that box. If it's a box, what's the approximate cost on that? Like a I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I have no price, idea. Man, I have no idea what's wrong with the car. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye-bye. 
All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would absolutely love to have you. We're going to take our quick little break. Lonnie, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. I'm here with John, an actual Agco automotive customer. I've been taking all of my cars to Lewis for a long time. I go in regularly for all changes, and if they notice anything else wrong, they let me know. It's just like going in for a checkup at the doctor. So you're saying the mechanics at Agco are like physicians? Car doctors. They don't ever miss a diagnosis. And I have three cars with over 100,000 miles on them. Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection. They'll check it out and even let you know if it's best to invest in repairs or possibly look for another vehicle. Yep, regular maintenance with Agco keeps my cars running fine. And regular checkups at the doctor keeps this old 80-year-old in good shape, too. You're 80? John, I hope I look that good when I'm your age. Well, son, I think it's kind of late for that. Oh, I see your wit's pretty sharp, too. So, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. And we've got Lonnie has been patiently holding. Good morning, Lonnie. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I got a 03 Chevy Silverado, mm-hmm. 5.3. Yes, sir. And yesterday, coming home in all that rain, the truck, when I come to a stop, was like it wanted, it was shaking, like it wanted to die. Okay. And I've was wondering if the rain, if a sensor, the rain was blowing all different ways. Yeah, it could be. And could be. I, I mean, it was picking the moisture up. I don't well, know. it could be. I mean, it could be some water got on the plugs, got on the plug wires. I mean, all kinds of could be's. Is it still doing it this yeah. morning? Or did no, it no, it smoothed out. But the check engine light came on yesterday. But it's well, still it's on. probably a random misfire code. You know, something was missing. And if it's uh-huh. a random code, it doesn't give you a whole lot of anything to go on. It just says, "Hey, it was missing," which you already know yeah. that. If it's set a single cylinder misfire, like an 01 or 02, 03 or so on, at least you got some idea which cylinder it was. And I'd look at that one cylinder and see maybe the plug wire is pretty bad, pretty worn, and a little water got on that, let it uh, start misfiring. You know, okay. a lot of times what will happen, the old plugs will wear out in them, and it's increasing the burn time to the call, so it's still running good. But it's got an awful lot of voltage going through those wires, and if you got uh-huh. a little bad spot in the wire and it gets wet, it just starts jumping through it. You know, okay. whereas when it's dry, maybe it doesn't. So I tell you what, you could try to do. First off, I'd have the codes checked and see if it's a specific cylinder that misfired or if it's random. Uh-huh. Uh, if it were random, you might get like a spray bottle, you know, kind of like a Windex bottle or something, put a little water in it, uh-huh. and just get under the hood with it running and just kind of spray it on all the wires and stuff lightly. I mean, don't soak them down, but just kind of right. lightly mist it on the wires so right. you see any sparks start jumping around. If you do, I change the plugs and wires. That'd be the most okay. common thing. There's a crank sensor in there. There's all kinds of stuff that it could be, but unless it had a crank sensor code or a cam sensor code or something like that, I wouldn't go after that first. I'd, I'd look at plugs and wires. Be my first. Right. Okay. First. Guess. I'll do that. All right. I appreciate it. Okay, Thank man. You, Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And you know why we say plugs and wires? Uh-huh. Most of the time, those wires are old as the plugs are. They and are. when you go to take them off, they fuse to the ceramic, they and they will stick. And when you go to take them to off, it. you will end up ripping them apart anyway. Well, and if you don't rip them apart, you you're going to stress and strain yeah. them to the point where they're going to fail. Because it is called a wire, but technically it's a piece of carbon fiber Correct. running through a uh, rubber insulation. Shield. And that carbon fiber gets very brittle. I mean, it's had 
what, 50, 60,000 volts running through it millions of times. For it's, years. Yeah, for years. It's sitting on a very, very hot, hostile environment. And frankly, wires just aren't that expensive anyway. I would go back, get a set of the AC Delco original equipment wires. Now, Correct. they do make an AC Delco aftermarket wires you don't want if, if they're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not the ones you want. But get a good set of wires and all if that's the case. But I generally, by the time Iridium plugs on a 5.3 wear out, which is generally right around 100,000 miles, those wires are gone. Oh, yeah. Just They're go tired. ahead. Yeah, do yourself a favor and just change both at the same time. You and already got one end apart anyway. I was anyway. just fixing to say, yeah, you're taking one end off anyway. Mm -hmm. The other end comes off pretty easy. And be aware that if it is one of the earlier model engines, like from 99 on up to, I want to say, 06 or 07, there was two different wires. Right. Because they used two different kind of ignition coils. I think they use a Delco, a Delco and a Melk. I don't remember the two manufacturers, but there are two different types of coils. And you can do one of two things. You can get the part number off the coil uh -huh. and bring that with you to the part store, or you can measure the length of the wire. And one wire is about an inch longer than the other. Right. Uh, 748GG, I think, is a short wire, and 748HH is a long wire. Yes. And be sure you get the right wire because if you put the short wire back in place long, it's going to be stretched tight and it's going to give you trouble. And you put the long back in place of the short it can buckle out and catch on something under the hood and cause you issues so be aware that there are two different kind of wires on those year models i think around 2006 or seven, seven right they, they went to the 748 uu which is a different wire it'll be red in color right it's and it's not, also got a 90 degree boot on the bottom right whereas the other ones have a straight boot and i believe there's only one and i think they changed them again later on like around 12 or so i wouldn't swear to that yeah, but I'd i believe they may have see. changed the wires again after that but just be sure you get the right wire back on there when you're changing plug wires because that can cause – I know we get them in a lot of times. With the wrong wires? Yeah. Got call, problems. Cause people all kinds of grief. We're going back to our phone lines with Hilton. Good morning, Hilton. Well, good morning. I got two questions for sure. you. But basically, I got an 05 Toyota Tundra I uh -huh. bought you okay. about a year ago. Low mileage. I think it had about 36,000. Okay. It's got like 48. Uh -huh. What do I need to do long term to – take care of this truck get some extended time off of it yeah. all i use it for basically is intermediate transportation yeah hilton that is extreme service that's a lot harder on the vehicle than the guy who put two hundred thousand miles on it in the same amount of time that, yeah. that that's extreme service so i would be looking at replacing all of the fluids on the vehicle now is that a 4.6 liter uh it's got the large v8 the five seven five seven Right. Okay. Okay. Because if it's a five seven, you got a timing chain. You don't have to right. worry about that. If it's a, yeah, or four seven. I'm sorry. I think the four six. Four seven. Yeah. If it has a four point seven liter, right. then it's going to have a belt. If it has the four point six or the five point seven, then it's going to be a chain. But I would probably change all of the fluids in the vehicle, and I mean, I would include the differential fluid, power I would do steering the transmission fluid. fluid, the power steering fluid, brake fluid, brake fluid, because all those fluids are going to be really highly contaminated from sitting up so much and not being used. And that's where corrosion to all these systems starts taking place. And like, for instance, brake fluid, you can have the brake fluid changed or do it yourself for probably 80, 90 bucks. And if that ABS control unit goes out because the valves have fused to the aluminum because it wasn't being used and it's got moisture in the fluid, that's $2,000 part. So that's the kind of stuff you get into. Same thing with transmission. It's never gotten hot enough to really boil the moisture out that gets into it. So that fluid is going to be very contaminated, rear differential. Now, that transmission, if I'm not mistaken, is a 750, which does not have a dipstick on it. Mm -hmm. It has a special procedure 
you have to do to change the fluid in it. Right. You might be best to take that per, to a professional, let them drop the pan. Unless you're very, very, very handy and you want to go in and research and find the procedure and all that. There is a way you can do it, but it's pretty involved. Usually for what a shop would charge you, it's, it's well worth paying a professional to go ahead and service trans on that one. But I would do the coolant for certain if it hadn't been done. I'd probably be looking at the belt, the serpentine belt on it, just because it's old. Even though it may still look okay, you know, it's an old piece of rubber, and it's very yeah. likely to have some deterioration in it. So those sorts of things. All right. And my second question is, and, and I maybe I'd have to do this off air, I don't know, a shop that you might recommend, including your own. If that's Where are you calling from, Hilton? Oh, I, I live in Moorpaw, but, I mean, I'm okay. accessible to getting the truck up to anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, naturally, I'm going to recommend myself. <laughs> Just and your I'm, shop, but, I've, you know, I've listened to y'all's show uh-huh. repeatedly, and uh-huh. I never catch the name of y'all's shop. Yeah, it's AGCO, A-G-C-O, Automotive. A-G-C-O. Yeah, okay. if you go to the Internet, just go to agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Give you every okay. detail you want to know about it. And, of course, there's well, lots of other good shops that can do it as well. We feel we do a really good job, and we've got the reasons listed in there why we feel we do a good job. But you know, just uh, And there's also an article on how to find a good shop, which if you know you just decide to choose someone else, it'll tell you some guidelines, some things to look for. No, I'd be more than happy to use your shop. That's not a problem. So uh, you'll be seeing me uh, hopefully a uh, week after next. Well, so. sounds great. I'll bring it in. We'll get some fluids changed. Okay. Get some other stuff done. Thank you. Thank I appreciate you, it. All right. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. You want to be part of the automotive. I would absolutely love to have you. You know, Hilton is very wise because what a lot of people do, they say, well, I don't have very many miles. It runs fine. Why should I go start spending money? Uh-huh. And what they don't realize, if you start waiting until you got a problem, in other words, you wait until the heater core starts leaking, well, now you got a $1,500 repair. you got a major problem. That could have been fixed by changing the coolant. Sure. Now, is the coolant going to give you any warning? No. No. There's not a light that's going to come on. There's not. It's not going to start running rough. It's not going to start losing fuel mileage. It's not going to do anything. It's just going to turn to acid, eat the, eat the cooling system up, the radiator, the heater core, the intake gaskets, and so on and so forth. It's just one of those things, if you look in the owner's manual, it will tell you what things need to be changed. And some things need to be done based on mileage. Some things need to be done based on time. Sure. And some a combination of the two. Both. You know, for instance, a belt has a mileage interval. They may recommend, I don't know, 80,000, 90,000 miles. But they also recommend, say, six or seven years. Because whether you're using it or not, the rubber is deteriorating 24-7. Mm-hmm. Other things, like, say, a spark plug, it just doesn't care about time. It, no, it, it can be 100 years. It's going to fire so many times in so many miles, and only the mileage is going to wear that out. So if it's old, it doesn't make any difference. Other things like coolant really doesn't care much about miles because it doesn't care if it's going around or just sitting there. It's right. more time. It's a chemical reaction. That's Five years on the initial fill and three years on subsequent fills. And that is going to be something that's going to cause you a tremendous amount of grief if you don't do it. In fact, if you don't drive the vehicle much, it's going to be worse. Sure. Sort of like your engine oil. People who do not drive their car very much at all need more frequent oil changes than people who go long trips. I've always advocated get away from miles as an indicator for changing your oil and go to the way you use the car. For instance, if your average trip, is three or four miles. You get in the car, you go to the grocery store, it sits. You come back, you sits at home. Maybe you go to church on Sunday, it sits. You come out, it comes home, and it sits. 
that engine never gets to full operating temperature. That is extreme use. You need to be changing your oil about every 3,000 miles. Right, because what's happening is the moisture is building up in the, inside that engine, just like it builds up everywhere where there's a, a temperature change. Right. That fluid, that water, sinks down and gets into the oil. Right. The oil well, absorbs it. That's what it's supposed that's to right. do. But when you take the vehicle out and you run it several hundred miles, right, that engine gets up to temp, that water evaporates. Right. It's going to turns boil. into boil, turns into steam. The evap system, uh, yeah, PCV, PCV system is going to pick mm-hmm. it up, mm-hmm. run it back through the engine, burn it, and it's gone. That's right. But that's going to take probably thirty minutes to an hour just to start occurring, and probably a couple of hours after that to fully sure manifest. If you just get it up to operating temperature, the water may start to boil. But if you turn it off, that's it's it. Gonna, it's going to cool right back down. Right, and, and it's stay right there. And being that the oil filter can only take out solid particles well you yeah. can't take out a liquid contaminant no, it's going right through with the oil the only way to get it out is a drain and fill that's right that's, that's the only way to get that liquid, liquid contaminant, contaminant out which is going to turn to acid start attacking all the parts inside the engine so you're going to need to start basing all changes not so much on so many miles i know we've used that for years three thousand four thousand uh-huh. five thousand and i got people all the time who say well they said i can go seven thousand miles on all change well right. it depends on the way you drive the car sure it does if you drive if you get in your car in Baton Rouge, and you drive to Atlanta, 500 miles without stopping, and then in Atlanta you dr- turn around, you come back, and you drive back, and that's your average trip is 500 miles. Yeah, you could probably go oh, yeah. 7,000 miles on all channel. Yeah, easily because the engine is at full operating temperature, it's cleaning itself, everything is everything's sweet, everything's doing but what it's designed to do. Most people do not operate a vehicle in that manner. No, they don't. So what we think about as normal use is really extreme use in many cases. Especially in South Louisiana. Yeah, and what we consider extreme use is really not the ordinary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really don't, you are extremely using your vehicle, even though you don't consider it that way, because the short trips, the stop-and-go traffic, the high ambient temperature, the high humidity, that that's is extreme. what is extreme use. Right. So probably, I would say 75 to 80% of the people in Baton Rouge are probably under extreme use sure. on their vehicles. Sure. And Most people don't even leave town in their vehicle. Yeah. Well, I know, like myself, I go to work, I go back about three, yeah. four miles. It sits Each all way. day. Go Mine home too. at night. Yeah, and, and it just never really gets to full operating temperature. Let's go back to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Hi, guys. It's John from Toronto calling. Hey, John, how hey. are you this morning? Good. Question for you on uh, tires. Okay. They usually, in the past, have said six years, right. and then by then you should change them. Perfect. I've heard recently that some of them are saying, now they're saying five years. But my question is, if the car is stored in a temperature controller inside where it's not into the hot temperature. Right. Have you discovered whether that is any different? That's even worse. No, they tell me that's even worse. In fact, they say that tires stored in a warehouse and not sold are probably even worse than tires that have been in service. Because when a tire, a tire has a chemical in the rubber called anti-ozonate, which protects it from ozone. And when it's rolling, the anti-ozonate tends to secrete out and protect the tire that's why tires kind of tend to turn brown. Have you ever noticed how they'll turn brown? And then people wash it off and or they take armor all and wash it off, wipe it off. But that's the anti-ozonate that's secreting out of the rubber that protects it. So six years is pretty much the life. Doesn't matter if you're using it or not. It's just one of those things. I would not push a tire, whether it's been stored, even tires are sitting in warehouses and that's where the big rub comes in right you've got millions of tires sitting in warehouses that are two three years old and if we were to come out and enforce that stain all those tires would suddenly be worth nothing and that's why the rubber manufacturers are fighting it so hard even though it's in the public interest 
Yeah, I guess you should really check the date on the tire when, you when you're buying it. Absolutely. Yep. I've seen three, four-year-old tires put on cars all the time. Well, that's good. Well, thank you. That's my question. I appreciate it. Nice uh, talking with you. Hi, right, John. Thanks for calling, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> we had not talked about tire age in a while, but uh, we have a very uh, good topic. I'm glad John brought that up. we got to take one more quick little break. Uh, Lenny and Richard, you guys hang on. We'll be straight up after this break. I'm here with Stuart, life insurance rep and Agco Automotive customer. That's me. So, Stuart, as an Agco customer driving a car with 245,000 miles, you believe in preventative maintenance, right? I sure do. You know, having your car checked out annually can prevent major repairs, just like an annual insurance review. That reminds me of the old insurance story about the poor lady at her husband's funeral who asked her agent about death benefits. And he informs her that old Joe's first wife is still the beneficiary. Oh, an annual review would have helped, huh? That's why Agco suggests bringing in your vehicle once a year for a general inspection to get an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs needed to help keep your car running. Oh, I'm definitely a believer. So, on another note, my wife wants to increase my life insurance policy by a couple million. Should I be worried? All I can say is some flowers and a gift card to the spa couldn't hurt. Mmm, good point, Stuart. For the rest of you out there, schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by our side. Uh, if you want to be a part of the Automotive Hour, just give us a call. It's 291-6901. We sure appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. And we're going to our phone lines with Terry. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have a question. It's a 2005 Honda Accord. Okay. And with the wiper, with, with the wipers not running, it's about four to five inch play in the wiper arm. Okay. But whenever it's running on the downward motion, it goes beyond yeah. the point where it stops. Right. The I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about, Terry. There's two little yes. links underneath that that cow panel. Nurse, you know where the little transmissions come out through the body where the wiper arm, no. where the wiper arms are. Where the white yeah. arm pivots yeah. on, well, the, on the cow. There's a little transmission on it that goes down through the body, and there's a panel on top called a cow panel. There's a little link arm that connects those, and those little link arms, the bushings go out in them, and they yep. go bad. You can buy those from Honda. They're not really expensive. I want to say 14 15 bucks a piece. It takes a couple hours to change them, but that's going to be your problem. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Thank All right. you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Going back to the phone lines with Richard. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. 07 GMC Sierra Classic three-quarter ton with a 06. 276,000 miles. I put an oil pump in it, timing chain, about a year ago because mm-hmm. the oil pressure was dropping on the cold mornings. Yeah. And everything's fine. But now it's starting to tap a little bit in yeah. the mornings. It sounds like a lifter. Mm-hmm. Could be. Years ago, we used to put Marvel Mystery Oil or something in there, kind of well, flush it out. First thing you need to do is figure out where the tapping's coming yeah, from. Yeah, it probably ain't a lifter. More, I tell you what, Most, you do look on the back of the exhaust manifold, driver's side, driver's side, and see if that back bolt's not broke off because that's extremely common. Sounds exactly like a lifter. I only do it when it's cold. Yeah, it only does Once it when it's cold. Up. Warms up, it goes away. Right, that, that's, that's a common thing. That's what it's doing. Now, where is this bolt at? Just look at the exhaust manifold. The back bolt on the driver's side is going to be missing. Head will be gone. Yeah. And if you're really right. lucky, you might sneak something in there and get the old one out. If not, you got to pull the head off to get to it. Borella glue. 
Yeah, you try it. <laughs> I mean, anything's worth worth not pulling that head off. Yeah, but you're, you're going to have to replace the exhaust yeah. manifold. The manifold has warped, and when it warped, it popped the head off that bolt. You can right. just put the bolt back and pop it back off again. Okay. You, All right. Usually but, that bolt, when it breaks, the, the rest of it is jammed in the head. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can take a 90-degree angle drill and a short drill bit. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. drill it, tap it, and pull it out without pulling the head, but it's tight, tight quarters. Right. And it's tight lo- quarters. aluminum head, so you got to be very careful. Very careful. You get all center, you'll gouge that head up. Now, I'll tell you what we've done in the shop, too, is we've taken a nut and put on it and take a little MIG welder and just weld a nut to the end of the stud. If and there's some, enough left. If there's enough left, and you can get a wrench on it and get right. it out like that sometimes. All right. But with a motor with that many miles on it, is it safe like if you wanted to put some moral mystery all in it or something like that? You, it's I mean, not going to hurt anything. I doubt very seriously it helping the problem, though. Uh, well, I was just wondering. Mm-hmm. And also, my daughter one time here a few years back bought a set of tires, come home, and I was looking at them. Uh-huh. Just come in. They were 10 years oh, yeah. old. Yeah, I've seen it. I that, said, that 60 Minutes did a thing on that, and they went, I'm not going to name the store because you're not supposed to use names on the air, but they went to a big department store, and the, the manager's sitting there trying to sell them a 10-year-old tire. Yeah. And says, anything wrong with it? No, brand new, brand new. <laughs> Never been on well, the car. <laughs> when I got through with them, they took them tires off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very, I'm very unsafe. Sir driver's side right oh uh, yeah that's and it, it can happen common. on either side but you just back both on driver's side check them both check them both thank though. you sir okay man all, all right. right all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive we still got a couple of minutes we'll probably sneak another call in there and should you happen not to get on the air today or right. want your questions answered even during the week that's right you can go to our website and get your questions answered that way the address is agcoauto.com that is a-g-c-o-a-u-t-o.com there's a contact bar Button bar. <laughs> button bar, whatever you there want you to go. call it, on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. That's right. And the really cool thing is once you fill that form out, it'll ask you, do you want to remember this information? If you say yes, then when you go back, it'll all be filled out for you. All you Correct. have to do is update the mileage on it and, and the complaint, and the complaint and but it'll remember the car. And it can remember multiple cars as well. If you have five or six different cars, it can remember all of them. Okay. So Great. it'll bring up a little block, and you can just click on there, select the car you want. When you hit that, you don't have to type in your name and your email address right. and all again, so it right. just makes it that much easier for you. That's wonderful. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make it as easy for folks to get help as we possibly can. But that's uh, that's the way to get information. What you don't want to do is call the shop. And, I mean, if you have a question about making an appointment, the ladies can handle that. If you have any question about your car, they can handle that. But if you just want to talk to me, I'm not going to be able to come to the phone right. because that's why I do the radio show and that's why I have a website to answer people's questions. I can't. I'm working on other people's cars, and all my time is going to them, so I can't come to the phone. Right. The two ladies that answer that phone can answer any question you can have with regard so, to getting your car into the shop. And so if you need a personal question answered, now's or you just the time want to, to chat it. about your car, yeah, now's, now's, the, now's the, time. the time, or send me an email. Exactly. <laughs> I see we can sneak one last right. call in. we got John line. Good morning, John. Hey, this is John that called a few minutes ago with okay. the uh, Tahoe with okay. the hard cranking issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we found it. Okay. And of all things, it was part of the battery cable. Mm-hmm. On the on the positive post, uh-huh. there's one cable that goes to the starter. Right. One and there's another the, cable goes that goes to the relay center. Is that what that is? It yes, goes yeah. across the shroud, goes mm-hmm. around, right. and goes yes, to the, Yeah, okay. And where it came out of the fin, mm-hmm. it was crimped over, bent. Okay. And it had broken and lost ah, connection. There you, you go. Know, how we found it is my neighbor grabbed the wire and he moved it a little bit and the car started right up every there time. You go. Every time. Yeah, I was figuring so that, that, is that, that sure sound sure sounded like a cable issue. Yeah. That's why I said if you do a yeah. voltage, see if you've done a voltage drop test, it'll show that right up. Yeah, you'd, well, you'd, that's you'd, the you'd first have way thing more voltage running run around it. 
Yeah, the neighbor walked over and did that. He said, let's let's do this first. Mm-hmm. You know, and he did that, and then I'll be dead gum. It started right there you up. Go. And, and we're going to take care of that. That's a, that's a pretty easy fix. There so, you go. Uh, once again, thanks for all you do, guys. Okay, John, appreciate it. it. Thank you, man. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, boy, I see we are just about out of time. Yeah, we are. are kind of winding it on up, getting ready to get on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. Of course, big old thank you to all the folks who called in. That always makes the show really, really interesting. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, get some more people listening, whatever your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service there is. Go. go to the written reviews or written right. ratings department and fill it out for us yeah if you fill out a written review what it does they use that to gauge how popular the shows are so when someone types in auto repair our name comes up close to the top of the list because we've got more reviews and that means more people are going to listen so that means we can keep on doing the show and that keeps us right at the top of the list that's right they won't throw us out of here <laughs> <laughs> you bums get out of here that's <laughs> it <laughs> bigfoot there you go hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend